Praise God. We've been in a series for the last four weeks talking about why we exist as a church, why we do what we do as a church. In that, we've been talking about, yes, what's the motivation? You know, for, for any of us to do anything, we've got to be motivated to do it. You know, how many of us at any situation or at any stage during a day off in the week are sometimes not really motivated to get out of the bed? And we're not motivated to get out of the bed because we may not have a whole lot to do that day. And therefore, we need a motivation sometimes. Now, if you're in work at 7 a.m., I mean, you're out of that bed at 6 a.m. in the morning because you've got a motivation to do it. So what we've been talking about is, is what's the motivation behind why we do what we do here in church? And we've done that for the last three weeks, and today we're going to finish it up, and we're going to uh, synopsize everything that we've talked about really in the last three weeks uh, today, and we're going to finish it off talking about our responsibilities then in knowing all that. Our foundation scripture has been in Matthew 28, and in verse 18 it says there, And Jesus came to his disciples, I have been given authority, Jesus said, that's power, in heaven and on earth. And he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey the commandments I have given you. Or basically, he's saying, teach them to grow. And, and be sure of this, Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we've been talking about for the last number of weeks of why we as a live church exist. What is our motivation for us to come in here every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday? What's our motivation? Why do we do what we do? Why am I standing up here now after spending several hours preparing for this message, getting this message typed out and going over it several times, what's my motivation behind that? What's our motivation with our super kids this morning? Why do we do all the preparations for that? Why do we get everything ready for that? Why do we invite people who are not members of our church? Why do we invite them in to become and be part of what we do here today? What's the motivation behind what we do? And the motivation behind what we do is we want to see people come to know Jesus. That's, that's it in a nutshell, amen? We want to see people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. Because I know that I live in a town that has 13 or 15 or whatever it is, thousand people living in, in a county of, of nearly 160,000 people, that only a very small fraction of those people know Jesus. I know I have neighbors. I know I have brothers and sisters and parents, and, and I know I have relations, and I know you also do too. In this town or in this area that don't know Jesus. And they need to know Jesus. Amen? That's the motivation of why we do what we do. Amen? That's why we exist. We talked in week two about how do we grow? Because you know one of the biggest things that when a person gets to know Jesus, a lot of times someone gets to know Jesus and, and a lot of times they never go any further. I mean, yeah, they pray the sinner's prayer. They, they understand, yes, I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I am accepting that He died for me on the cross and I'm receiving Him into my heart. And, and for a lot of people, you wouldn't believe how many people, that's where their growth stops. They never grow any further than that. They get to know Jesus, which is fantastic, brilliant. But then they just go back to life as normal. And we need to grow, amen? We need to grow. You need to grow. I need to grow. Everybody needs to grow. Our kids need to grow. They were great. They were cute when they were babies, but they needed to grow, Amen? Because I don't know about you, but I'm, what am I, a 40, what am I, 45? Yeah. 46? Yeah. 46? Well, you're 
46 says, <laughs> I'm 46 years of age now. My two girls are 22 and 17. I'm so thankful that I'm not woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning to have to heat a bottle to have to feed them still. Amen? Because when I did have to do that, it was a nightmare. Amen? But I did it for the season that was in it. But then they got dependent and they started to feed themselves. Amen? And thank God for it. And that's what we need to do as believers as well. Amen? It's okay to be a baby Christian. But it's not okay to stay a baby Christian. Amen? We need to grow. Amen? We need to grow. And we need to grow. How do we grow? We grow by reading the Word of God and asking God to reveal it to us. Amen? We grow by, by, by spending time with God. Spending time in His presence. That's how we grow. We talked about that in week two. Then in week three, which was really important last week, what we talked about, we talked about how uh, now, that we're, now that we're saved, now that we're starting to grow, we talked about now how we had a responsibility now to, to find out what part of the body of Christ that God has placed us in. Because let me tell you something this morning. If you're here today, if you're a member of a live church, and maybe if you're not even here today, maybe if you're listening online or, or watching us live, and let me tell you that if you believe that you're part of a live church, then God has placed you here and God has something for you to do. Amen? God has something for you to do. The Word of God says that God places the members in the body as He sees fit. And if God has placed you in this body, then He has something for you to do. Amen? We said that there is no passengers in a church. Praise God. And I know, hey, listen, that's tough stuff. But there is no passengers in a church. Amen? This is a church that's going someplace. Amen? God has, has things for us to do. He is people for us to reach. He has some amazing things for us to do in the future. And in that journey, you know, we're all traveling together. But you know what helps us to... to, to, to uh, to, to be effective on that journey, it's what everyone that calls themselves a part of the body does their part. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Now, listen, I have a brother that's a mechanic. I know nothing about the insides of an engine of a car. Nothing. He knows everything. When something goes wrong with my car, I bring it down to him, and he looks at it, and he says, it's this and that and the other. Go get this and bring it back to me. I'll fix it. And every time he does, I haven't a clue. But you know one thing I do know about the engine of a car? that if one little thing goes wrong, it doesn't perform to the best of its ability. A few weeks ago, I had something, I can't even remember what it was, that went wrong on my car. Coil pack or something, I think it was. And my car wasn't performing the way it should. The engine light was coming on all the time, and, and, and it was giving me hardship. And, and I eventually had to bring it to him, and he, said, he, he looked at it, and he said, yeah, that's this. I had to go get it fixed because one little thing, and it was only a small thing, it was in, in, the engine is this big, and it was only a small thing in the engine this size. But it needed to be changed because it wasn't working the way it should work. Now, you know, when your engine is working perfectly, your car purrs, amen? It gets you to where you need to go without any incident, without any splutter, without any problem at all. And the same goes for a church, amen? Amen? The church, we're all a number of parts, all put together by God into this body of Christ here in Enniscorthy, in Wexford, in Ireland, at this time. And God has given us things to do, amen? And when we all recognize the part that we have in this body of Christ and do what God has called us to do in this body of Christ, we'll purr as a church, amen? Amen. We purr as a church, amen? We won't splutter. We won't stumble. We won't chuck along the road and, and yeah, you're still going someplace. My car was still going places, 
But it was hard, amen? It was a struggle. It was harder to drive. I had to constantly, I was changing gears. Constantly, I was watching this. Constantly, I was watching that. You know, if we as a church all find where we fit into this engine, that, this, this body of Christ, I mean, we will purr. Amen? Amen. And when we do that, we'll go places. And when we go places, we'll add more people to us as we go. Amen? Because that's what we want to do. Amen? Amen? Praise God. We talked about that last week. And last week, I said it again that you, and I say it again today, you have a place in a live church. Amen? I think a lot of people think, I don't fit. I don't belong. But the very fact that you're sitting here this morning and partaking of this service this morning means you do fit. It means you do belong. Amen? And you know who's telling you you don't belong? The enemy is telling you you don't belong. Because he doesn't want you to feel like you belong. He wants you, he, he wants you to think in your head, you know, that's okay. I'll come and go whenever I please. And if, if, if it's tough for me to go, then I won't go. And, and you know, that, but that's okay. But, but that's, the, that's a lie of the enemy. Amen? God wants you to know you belong. You have a place. You have a place. Amen? In this body, everybody has a place, great and small. Like I mean to tell you, and I said it last week, and it sounds a bit gruesome, but if I chopped your little toe off, you'd miss it. And you would not be able to function, even if every other part of your body was perfect, if someone chopped your little toe off, you would not be able to function the same as you do with your little toe. Amen? Now, all of a sudden, things you used to be able to do when you had your little toe now become a struggle because now you're missing your little toe. It's gruesome, I know. It's true. You stub your toe. Praise God. Ever st- anybody? Serial sto- toe stubbers? Just me? A couple of honest people this morning. I'm a serial toe stubber. I mean, I can't seem to... At least once every two or three weeks, I can't seem to walk out of a room without... And it only happens when you have nothing on your feet. You ever notice that? It never happens when you have shoes on you. So you never kick the side of a door when you have shoes in. I always do when I have nothing on my feet. And I know when my little toe is sore and I stub stubbed my toe. Amen? Amen? So, praise God, we need to find our place in the body because every one of us has a place in the body. In finishing today, before I really get into this message, I want to remind us that if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, your future is secured. Amen? Amen. That's good news. Amen? If you have made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, your future is secured. Thank God for that. Amen. If I didn't say anything more this morning and just said amen now and dismissed us all, that's great news. Amen. Our future is secured. Amen. Glory to God. I can, I can go around my day and my week and my life knowing that my future is secured. But you know what? In knowing that my future is secure, I know that I have people in my family. I know that I have people that are close to me. I know that I have my neighbors. I know that I, I, I know so many people who don't have that security, who don't know that their future is secured. And that bugs me. Amen? That bugs me. That motivates me to keep on doing what I'm doing so that more people will come to know Jesus. Why does the church exist? So as more people will come and know Jesus. Amen? That's why we exist. That's why we're here. That's why 20 years ago this church was planted. 
19 years ago, so that more people will come to know Jesus. Amen? Amen? Glory to God for that. That's why we exist. That's why we need to continue to exist. Amen? Our, our reason for existing, our God-given reason for existing is that we go and make disciples. Amen? That we go and preach the Word of God. We make disciples. We baptize them. We teach them how to grow. And, and, and in all that, it's for us to know that as we do all that, that God is with us. Amen? God is with us. So we've talked about that for the last three weeks. And today I want to talk about, and I want to give us a very practical reminder, and especially as we come to the end of the church year, I want to give us a very practical reminder that we need to do everything we can in our power to work with God to make sure that we will exist for the next 20 years and that we will continue to grow. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Yes. We have a responsibility. Amen? Yeah. And we're going to talk this morning for a few minutes about our giving because we need to be givers. Amen? Amen. Do you know the Word of God says that, 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 that God will build His church? The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Do you ever stop to ask yourself how God is building His church today? Do you know how God is building His church today? He's working through you and me. He's working through His people. Amen? God works through people. Now, God works through people and worked through people 19 years ago when this church was planted. Because before this church was planted, Enniscorty did not have a Christian voice. Amen? It had a few people who were Christians but did not have a church. So how did this church get planted? People planted it. Because God inspired them and God called them and God commissioned them to go plant a church here in Enniscorty. And that's why we exist today, because they did that. And we're going to talk about how we, as, as members of this body of Christ, we need to continue to work with God. Amen? We need to work with God. Because just because this church is here today, just because you're sitting here today, doesn't mean automatically that this church will be here in 20 years' time. Right. Amen? Yeah. Because all you have to do in, in this country is to drive around, uh, uh, all around this country, this county, and you will see closed-down churches. You will see people living in these churches. You'll see carpet centers in these churches. You'll see creches in those churches. The churches that were there for centuries but are not there today. Oh yes, the buildings are still there, but the churches are not there. Why are the churches not there? Why did they cease to exist? We, we need not to be arrogant in thinking that, you know what, we're here today, we'll be here for until Jesus comes home. We need not be arrogant in that, amen? Because that's why a lot of these churches are closed, because they thought, hey, listen, we've been here for 100 years, we'll be here for 100 more. They ceased to exist because, the, you know, the people that were in it they, they, they either they stopped giving, stopped bringing their churches to it. They just died, amen? They just died. And we as a church, we need to remember that, you know, we're co-laboring with God here. And as long as we continue to co-labor with God, we will continue to exist. Yeah, amen? amen? Praise God. The church exists because of its members. If its members stop, if they dry up, if they stop giving, if they stop coming, if they stop being a part of it, then the church dies. Amen? Yeah. You know, we talked about it over, over the last number of weeks, and I've brought it up several times, and I'm going to talk about it again today for a few minutes, the RNLI. I love the RNLI. They're a fantastic organization. The RNLI 
they, they save lives at sea. They go out into conditions that you would not send a cat out into to save people's lives at sea. I mean, when it's the worst storm, they'll still go out. You ever want, you know, do you ever wonder how the R in a life still exists? How do they exist? Does it ever put a second thought when you're up in Courtown or when you're down in Wexford or in Rothlair and you, you see the R in a life stations down there? Do you ever pass a second thought to wonder how do they exist? How are they still there? Who pays for the R in a life? You know what I want to tell you? I thought for years the government paid for them. I thought for years that the Irish government gave the RNLI money every year and the British government gave the counterparts of the RNLI in the UK money every year for an order for them to continue to save lives off their coasts. Because I mean, a government's responsibility is to see off its coast. So it should be the government's responsibility to save those lives. But I want to tell you this morning that the RNLI does not receive one euro from our government, nor one pound from the British government. The RNLI are completely funded by people like you and me. By people like you and me. The RNLI has 237 stations around the Irish and the British coast. They operate 444 lifeboats on call 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And they receive not a cent from either government. Do you know that if one of you should ever be in trouble on the water, and you had calls to call out the RNLI to come and rescue you, do you know that they are the only emergency service that will not send you a bill for your rescue afterwards? Do you know that if you call out the fire brigade, if, you had a, if your chimney went on fire, or if your chip pot went on fire, and you called out the, the, the uh, fire brigade, thank God firm, if you called them out to put out your fire, they'd send you a bill afterwards? Do you know that if you called out the ambulance to come and bring you to hospital, for some reason or another, that the ambulance would send you a bill afterwards? Do you know that if you're out at sea, or if you're on the ferry or anything like that, and you went overboard and you were in the sea, or you had a difficulty on the sea, and you called out the RNLI, and they came out and rescued you, they would not send you a bill afterwards? They are the only emergency service, they are not sponsored by the government, that if you call them out, that they will not send you a bill afterwards. Praise God, according to their website, Talking about their funding, they say that 95% of the total income is from generous donations and legacies. They say that we depend on, on dedicated volunteers and supporters to save lives at sea. Here's what they say. This got me. Your support means that our life crews can reunite 22 people a day with their families. 22 people a day, they say they rescue from the sea. So, averaged. So, however you choose to get involved, they say, you can feel good in knowing that you make a difference. You can feel good in knowing that you're making a difference. When you sow into someone like the RNLI, you're making a difference. Amen? Yeah. The RNLI saves lives at sea. That's why I support them. I support the RNLI, not just with my words and not just with saying, you know, they're a great organization and tapping them on the back. I've I given them financially to the RNLI. And I, I, I do that because I want to be part of what they're doing. I don't want to just talk about them and I don't want it just to be 
to be tapping them on the back. I want to, to give into what they're doing because I believe in what they're doing. I believe in what they're doing. They're going out saving lives at sea. And I want, even if it's only a small amount that I give them, I want to be able to enable them to be able to continue doing that because I don't want there to become a time when someone needs life, their lives saved at sea and the RNLI not be able to go out to help them. Amen? Do you ever wonder how much the RNLI costs every day and every year? Well, again, according to their website, they cost £483,000 a day to run the RNLI. That's £176 million pounds or €200 million Euros a year it costs to run the RNLI for them to be able to save on average 22 people a day. And it's the generosity of people like you and me and not the government that helps the RNLI, enables the RNLI to be able to continue to do that. You're thinking to yourself, what's the RNLI got to do with church? The same reason the RNLI exists, the church exists. Amen? Because the RNLI are out there rescuing and saving people from death. Now, we're not rescuing and saving people from death. We're rescuing and saving people from the second death. Amen? We're rescuing and saving people that are on a lost eternity and we want to rescue them and save them and we want to see them save and have their future secured just like yours and mine. That's the, the, the reason. The same thing what the difference between the RNLI and, and us is we don't receive funding from the government. The government don't give us anything. And that's fine. We exist because of the giving of the members of this church. Amen? And just the same as the, the giving of the members of the RNLI enables them to continue to be able to go out and save and rescue people at sea, the giving of the members of a live church enables us to be able to continue to go out and see lives saved in our towns and in our areas. Amen? Amen? And you know what? We need to keep that always in mind. You need to keep that in mind that we, we continue to exist here because of the giving of our members. Because of my giving. Because of your giving. That's why we continue to be here. Amen? And here's the other thing. It's our responsibility. It really is. It's our responsibility. We got a responsibility. I remember very early on, I wasn't a Christian two months but the same guy who witnessed to me and, and, and the same guy who, who pointed me in the direction of Jesus and, and that, that, that I got saved because of his witness, I was like, you know, now I know. I'm saved. Thank you, Lord. I know that my, my security, uh, my eternal security is, is safe in Jesus' hands. And, and I had such a freedom when I found that out. The same guy that told me about salvation and Jesus, then came and told me about tithing. And I mean, talk about, you know, the good news followed by the, <laughs> the indifferent news, amen. Now I was saved and now I knew that I had a responsibility. That now that I was in the, in the rescue ship, I had a responsibility now to help other people to be rescued, amen. And I knew now and I got a revelation of it early. Well, now, now that I'm saved, I want to see more people saved. I want to see people I work with saved. I want to see my family saved. I want to see people in Enniscordy, people in Wexford. I want to see people in Ireland saved. And as we know, thank God the gospel is free. Yeah. Glory to God. And you can go and witness anytime, any day. Yeah. And it costs you nothing to do that. But you know that even though the gospel is free, 
Praise God when you have a church and when you as a church are being a witness, being a light. It's not free, amen? Amen? We, we got bills we got to need to take care of, amen? So that's where the members come in. Rescuing lives at, at sea is free. It's free to get rescued. But the RNLI have overheads and costs. Amen? Yeah. It's our responsibility. I felt when he, when he came and talked to me about my giving, I felt a conviction of responsibility. Because I knew people that weren't saved. And I wanted, if, if I can, and if I can contribute to see that happen, then it was my responsibility. Amen? Amen. And here's another thing I want you to know today. You know, God sees your giving. I don't see your giving, but God does. God sees your giving. In Luke chapter 21, talking about the, the widow's might, it says there in verse 1, it says, and, and Jesus looked up. I mean, Jesus focused his attention, his attention on something. He looked up, and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. Jesus saw those people of means given. He was watching it. And you know, when I read the Word of God, I, I love that there's not one story in the Word of God that's not there for our learning. And when Jesus went into the temple that day, he sat there at the back and he watched those people as they came to the temple, putting their offerings in. And he sat there that day and he watched and he looked up and he saw the rich putting into the temple treasury. And then he saw, it says in verse 2, a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Jesus observed the rich. He also observed the poor. He observed everyone. Amen? And he, obser he observes everyone still today. Amen? He saw a poor widow, and he also knew her situation. Amen? He didn't just see what she put in. He knew her situation. He saw she was poor. He saw that she was a widow. He knew that, that this person hadn't got a whole lot. He saw the rich. Yeah, he saw the rich, and he saw the rich... And he could see in the rich that they had a lot. But he also saw in this poor widow that she didn't have a whole lot. Verse 3 tells us, and Jesus speaks up and he says, Truly I tell you, who's he talking to? To the people that were there and to you and me today. He says, Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. How could that be? How could that be? I mean, if one person walked up to me this morning and handed me five cents and another walked up and handed me 50 euros, praise God, I'd know the difference, amen? I'd know that the second person had given me more than the first. But Jesus said, this, this, this poor widow who put in two little copper coins, he said, in comparison to the rich people who put in a lot into the offering, he said, she put in more. All these people, Jesus said, gave gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, gave all that she had to live on. I need to tell you today that, that, that we, we take up an offering in Live Church because we need to keep this move of God going. Amen? Yeah. Now, I know we can sit there and think, oh, well, the move of God will go anyway. You know, there's a move of God anyway, regardless of the church. But, but the church is God's gift to our communities and to our areas and to our counties and to the world today. Amen? So we need to take an offering. We need to take an offering. We need to be, as we give, we need to be generous. Amen? We need to be generous. Because there's so much that God wants to do. There's so much that God wants to reach. Amen? We live in, as I said, we live in a town of, of 14, 13, 14,000 people that only a fraction of those people know Jesus. 
And we got to do individually, yes, we got to witness everywhere we go. But we as a church, we need to be a witness as well. Amen. We as a church, we need to be a witness. As a body of believers, we need to be a witness. We need to do the things that we want to do as a church in order to be evangelical in our area, in our town, in our county. Amen. You see, the church is a storehouse. Church is a storehouse. Amen. And as a storehouse, praise God, a storehouse is no good that's empty. I mean, if you go to a supermarket today, which is a storehouse, if you go to the supermarket today to buy groceries and the shelves are empty, you'll go someplace else or you'll go hungry. Amen? The Word of God says that the church is a storehouse. And in the storehouse, it's where people get fed. It's where people get raised up. It's where people get prepared. It's where people get sent out. Amen? And that's what we are as a church. We are a storehouse where we train people up, where we send people out. Amen? Praise God. Do you know the thing that we all have something to give? Amen? We all have something to give. And the example that Jesus was giving us when he talked about the widow's mighty, he was saying everybody has something to give. Everybody has something to give. Amen? Even this poor widow, Jesus said everybody has something to give. Because I want you to notice something else in this story. Jesus watched, observed the rich putting in their offerings into the offering baskets. And he he watched this poor widow, whom he said was poor, whom he said had very little means for her to be able to take care of her needs. And he watched her giving everything that she had, her two last copper coins. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't walk over to the treasury and take out the two small coins and walk back over to the poor widow and say, here you go, you need them worse than we do. Amen? I want to remind you this morning, we all have something to give. We all have a responsibility to give. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you don't know my, you don't know my situation. You don't know the pressures I'm under. I have rent to pay or a mortgage to pay. I have petrol to put in the car. I have insurance to pay. I have kids to put into school. I have food to put on the table. I have electricity bill to pay. I have phone bill to pay. I mean, we all have every one of those things. Yes, we do. But do you know what I'm going to tell you? God knows that. Amen. God is not unaware of our needs. He's not unaware of the bills we have to pay. He wasn't unaware of the needs that the, 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 uh, the widow had. The poor widow. He wasn't unaware of her needs. God is not unaware of your needs. Amen? Amen? He's not unaware of it. Here's the thing. There's none of us, not one of us exempt. You know when my friend, my good friend, praise God, firm, told me about the need to give in the first place? Praise God, I was like, I can't afford that. I mean, I was earning about 100 pounds a week at the time. And I was like, I can't afford that. We were, we were saving to get married. I, I was only working part-time. I was maybe doing 20 hours a week. I was like, I can't afford that. Do you not understand? I'm trying to save to get married. I'm trying to, we're trying to buy a car. We're trying to, we had no home. When we got married, we, we, we bought a mobile home. That's all we had. We, we bought a mobile home. We put it on our parents' back garden. We were trying to save. We, we, actually, we, we couldn't get a mortgage. We had gone after a few places looking for a mortgage. We couldn't get one for the price of a house at the time. 
And he came to me and he told me that, you know, now that you're saved, you have a responsibility now to give. And I was like, really? Could you not wait a few years until I'm in a better place to tell me about that? I didn't need to know that now. But I realized that I now had a responsibility. And I realized that, you know what, even though I hadn't got it to give, I had a, I had a need to give. I knew I wasn't exempt. And that's what God is saying to us today. We're not exempt. Amen? And God knows your circumstances. He knows where you are. He knows your situation. He knows the needs you have. But let me tell you, 24, 25 years ago, 24 years ago, God knew that with me. He knew, I, he knew that's where I was. He knew I couldn't afford it. But he never turned around and told me, and said, here, listen, put that into your wedding fund or put that into your, into your house building fund. Put that into the fuel tank of your car. You need to pay your tax. Pay your tax in your car. He never said that. And you know, for the last 24 years, even though we've always never missed, always given, we've never went without. We've never been in lack. God has never left us. He's never abandoned us. We've never had a bill we couldn't pay. Amen? We were able to buy a house. Glory to God. We got a mortgage. We bought a house. We're always able to pay for the house. We're able to renovate the house. I was still not earning a whole lot of money. Angela wasn't earning a whole lot of money. We're able to have kids. We're able to buy cars. We're able to sell our house. We're able to build a house. On, on what we were earning, and we, we never earned any more. Like, praise God, we, we never earned huge money. Never. Never. But God took care of us all the time. He never let us down, He never abandoned us. We kept on giving, kept on sowing, kept on giving. And we'd done better on what we had left of what we had than I believe we would ever have done if we had kept. Everything, 100%. And I want to tell you this morning that we, we, need, we have a responsibility. You know what? I don't know how many people has come to know Jesus because of our giving down through the years, but I believe many have. And I don't know uh, um, what we could have done if we had kept it. I don't, know, I don't know where we would have been, but I would never turn the clock back. I'd never turn around and say, hey, listen, let me keep that several thousand euros a year. Let me keep that myself. Let me keep it. I, I need it worse than God does. I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Everyone has something to give. Amen? And let me encourage you this morning. Let me give you a scripture this morning as we close. Let me encourage you this morning. If, you're, if, if, if you find yourself in a place where you, know, you think, I can't give, I can't afford to give, you don't understand where I am, I want you to understand God does understand. God does know where you are. Amen? He's not unaware of your circumstances. He's not unaware of your situation. And here's another thing. God is not out to take from you. God is out to get to you. Amen? He's not out. God is not out to pick your pockets. Nor neither is the church. They're not out to rob from you. They're not out to steal from you. They're not out to make you worse off. Because you know what? God is not glorified in poverty. That is a fact. God is not glorified in poverty. God is glorified when people are prospering. Amen? When people are prospering, God is glorified. Luke chapter 6 says in verse 38, Jesus speaking, He said, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. 
For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. God is not asking you to give so that you will be worse off. God is asking you to give so that he can bless you back. Amen?